Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 78, produced 12 February 2021. Scotland has a long and noble history with the horse. Whether working on a croft or charging into battle, horses have been present in Scotland since at least the 8th century. Indeed, horses and ponies were used by the ancient Picts, and their carved stones, dating from 550 to 800 AD, often depict these noble creatures and closely resemble the breed known today as the Eriske Pony. I'm Glenn Moyer, and the Eriske Pony is today critically endangered. In a moment, we'll discuss their history, heritage, and what's being done to save them with a member of the board of directors of Komen Erchnen Jelein, the Eriske Pony Society. That's coming up here, Under the Tartan Sky. Are you Dot Scott yet? DotScot is the domain for the worldwide community of Scots. It became available to the public in late 2014 and is used by the Scottish Government and Parliament, the National Health Service in Scotland and thousands of other organisations and individuals around the globe. DotScot doesn't mind where you live or what kind of Scottish connection you have. If you're Scottish by birth, heritage or affinity, or an association that practices and promotes Scottish arts and culture, or a business with some kind of Scottish connection, then DotScot is for you best of all is easy to sign up to. Simply visit domains.scot, choose your domain name and you're off and running. And by the way, if you're just looking for a wee blather, our email service will help you do that too. .scot, be part of it. Eriske is one of the islands that makes up the Outer Hebrides on the west coast of Scotland. It's here, and on the Isle of Uist, that you can still see the last remaining examples of the original native ponies of the Western Isles of Scotland, known today as the Eriske Pony. When it comes to the horse, Scotland's history is rich and varied. There are the minuscule and beloved Shetland ponies, the hardy and still hard-working crofter favorite, the Highland Pony, and of course, those behemoths that most of the world knows more for their beer marketing than Scottish heritage, the Clydesdales. And let's not forget, Scotland is home to the largest equine sculpture in the world, Andy Scott's Kelpies, a tribute to the mythical shape-shifting water horse of Scottish folklore. The Eriske pony is as old as Scotland itself and are believed to have originated from Celtic and Norse stock. They were originally known as Western Isle ponies and were found across the Hebrides where they were used by crofters for tasks like carrying home peat and seaweed and for light draft work like plowing. With the advent of the Industrial Revolution and the widespread mechanization that it ushered in, the once remote islands became more accessible. People moved away to the Scottish and UK mainlands and elsewhere, so population levels dropped, both human and horse to a point where, in the late 1960s, the only ponies left were on the Isles of Eriske and Uist. 
It was then that the Coleman Erkman Yeline, the Arisque Pony Society, was formed, and a conservation breeding effort launched with the then last known living stallion. Still today, the Arisque Pony is listed as critically endangered, with population estimates ranging from a few hundred to a few dozen. To be clear, there are two Arisque Pony Societies. The original one, founded in 1972 and centered on the Isles of Arisque and Uist, and the second, founded in the 1980s by a breakaway group of primarily mainland horse owners. Both want to conserve the breed, though not always agreeing to pursue the same path. The two groups also define the breed differently, with the Coleman Erknen Yeline insisting on a 100% bloodline to be counted as an Arisque pony, the other society sometimes accepting far less. To learn more about the Arisque pony's history, heritage, and what's being done to save it, as well as how you and I can help, I recently had the opportunity to chat with Liam Alastair Krauss, a member of the board of directors of Coleman Erknen Yeline. A brief programming note here. On the day that we were to chat, the internet connection from our studio in the southern USA to the Western Isles was, well, dodgy at best, and we had to resort to the old-fashioned telephone. So the audio is not as clean as I would like, and you may need to listen just a bit closer than usual. To set the context for our discussion, I first asked Liam, what's the status of the Arisque pony population today? Well, there's there's very few to be honest, and it, and it is quite uh, alarming um, in several senses. Uh, the Rare Breed Survival Trust lists the status as being critically endangered, and when they do that, they're saying that there are fewer than 300 air escape ponies in the world. The real number um, is far lower than that, and uh, they're probably, the actual number is um, certainly probably un- under 100 and essentially, when when we talk about an Escape pony, uh, the Escape Pony Society, um, who defines the breed, uh, defines it as an 100% purebred Escape pony. So all of its stock are all traceable within our stud books. So there are also uh, quite a number of ponies that are mixed. Um, so be that, for example, 50%. Um, there are quite a few. Um, mixed ones, but it even goes up to say 97% air escape pony. But according to our breed standards, uh, it's only 100% that can be termed as air escape pony. And that's one of the reasons why the, the, the numbers are so low. Well, these ponies, from my research and reading, trace literally right back to the earliest days of Scotland, conceivably back to the times of the Picts. Um, how did they come to be in Scotland? What's the history of the air escape pony? Well, that uh, is a is a difficult question. Uh, it goes back into, I guess, the mists of time in many senses. Our understanding is is that the Edisca pony has been in Scotland for as long as uh, e- equine species have have been in Scotland. Um, that could be uh, so following the Ice Age prior to the arrival of of, of humans, even. And essentially, it's, it's our understanding that, uh, yes, that the Aedesca pony or um, its ancestors uh, were, um, I guess, a, 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 a European breed that, uh, that, that, that lived in Scotland. So it's not necessarily when it came to Scotland. It's kind of, I guess, always, or it is likely that it has always been in Scotland. And what are the 
uh, the characteristics of the breed? How would I measure and recognize an Aeroscape pony? Uh, so an Aeroscape pony, um, it's a it's a it's a gray pony usually. Um, there's a few other uh, colors. It, it can be bay colored as well, um, and certainly the the new the newer born foals um, are black bay or uh, roan in color. And that usually um, tends to fade to gray when they're adults. In equine terminology, we call it, it, it they stand up to 13 hands high around, around that. Um, other than that, they have a really uh, good temperament. So they're, they're, they're really good around people and specifically children. So they're, they're a great breed in that, in that sense. Um, the Edesque pony has been so long around people, um, that they're extremely used to people. They are, they are to, to an extent, uh, very, very domestic in that sense. Um, they also in the, in the winter, um, they, they get a winter coat, um, which is common with, uh, with British breeds, um, British native breeds. And then they shed that to, uh, to a lighter coat during the summer. And you say that they're uh, they're particularly good with children. Has that something that has just come through time, the, the evolution of the pony and, and its uh, life there on on uh, Eroske? Yeah, I mean it's, they're very docile. But, um, they seem to they they seem to like people anyway. Um, and I think um, they're they're very well natured around people. And so um, I think where other other horses and other ponies can get a bit skittish around people. Um, Edeske ponies are less so. And I, I think that is just because of the close nature um, it, it, that, that they lived closely with humans for such a, for such a long period of time. Um, I think that the, in, in, in Edeske anyway, um, yeah, they're, 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 they're very much around people and in among horses. So they're, they're always used to people and they're very acclimatized to people. Well, and as you say, they've been around people for such a long time. That the Aeroscape pony for decades, maybe centuries, I suppose, were a mainstay of life um, with the islanders there on Aeroscape. What was life like in the heyday of the Aeroscape pony, and how were they used by the crofters and, and the islanders? Yes, well, I mean, that, that, that is very true. So the Aeroscape pony, as, as a, in Gaelic, we call them Erch Menjelang which means uh, an island horse or a horse of the island. And they're essentially a, a Hebridean breed. And they, they even go in, into, into the highlands of Scotland and, and, and the rest of Scotland. And um, they were used usually for light draft work. So you could, uh, you could for example, plow with them. Um, they, were, they were used for croft work. Uh, a croft is a small hold farm. So they, they, they were used for plowing, and there there was a crofter uh, a few a few decades ago, a few years ago, who um, who uh, had, used to use his air escape ponies um, to do his croft work, and so the the, the plowing. Um, they also used to use them. Um, you can harness them with uh, uh, cleave with them um, with creels um, that go on their back across their back, and um, within those creels, you can use uh, you can carry things. Um, so back in the day, it would have been peat. So when people used to go and cut peat at the peat bank before the advent of tractors, they would go and it would be a pony that would bring them home. And people also, uh, fertilize their, their croft with, um, before modern fertilizers. And, and even today in the Western Isles, um, people generally tend to use seaweed. And so you'd, um, the horses you would take down to the beach 
fill up the creels with uh, with seaweed and, and take it back. So it was kind of these sorts of uh, light work, I guess, is mostly what you'd use the horses for on a day-to-day kind of crofting or to, to help with the with the work of the croft. They were used otherwise um, in, in, in other um, uses. So, for example, uh, in... In the islands of Uist in in Scotland, there there used to be a really big holiday um, here, kind of a festival, I guess, which was uh, Michaelmas, um, so St Michael's Day. And one of the famous ways that people marked that day was uh, they'd go and have horse races on the beach. And so there's a few different beaches, wonderful Hebridean beaches that kind of are are white coral sand stretch as far as the eye can see. And people used to go and on these certain uh, feast days would go and uh, race their horses. So so a variety of different of different uses, but they're very much tied to the life of the people and how people uh, manage to to live and, and 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 farm these islands. Is it fair then to say that it was the industrial revolution that really began the demise of the Arisque pony to get us to where we are today, where eventually machines, I guess, took over so much of the work that the pony used to do. That, in essence, the pony sort of, in human terms, found himself unemployable. That is true to an extent. Um, there's been a lot of different different reasons. So, um, going back to what I originally said about how we define the breed and it's the fact that it's 100% purebred is, is an Edescape pony today. Um, a lot of the breed was actually bred out or uh, crossbred. Um, so, for example, during the since the Industrial Revolution, they used to have uh, different horses were, were were brought in, and those were kind of crossbred with with Edescape ponies. And indeed, if you go and look at the horse breed, uh, the Highland pony, a lot of times those will actually be a cross of an Edescape pony, or what what would have been an ancestor of an Edescape pony, um, with a larger horse such as a Clydesdale or something else. And so there's there's a lot of Edescape ponies and descendants of Edescape ponies kicking about. But essentially, yeah, that, that's one of the ways that uh, the Edescape pony met its demise in that sense was uh, through crossbreeding. Um, the other one, as, as you said, was um, the advent of uh, of additional kind of indus- uh, industrial power, I guess, so for your tractors, etc. I guess go- going back to what I was talking about in terms of um, people used to use the these horses to take peat back or to to get seaweed they're often um in terrains such as the outer hebrides it's often actually easier in certain areas to use a pony and uh, these days you can't actually use a tractor um it's just not viable uh, because of the the, the type of landscape and you actually need kind of a sure-footed pony to be able to go amongst the rocks etc but yeah, no, I mean, it, it was very close. The Edesque the pony nearly didn't survive. And it is it is kind of a miracle that uh, the, the, that we do have any Edesque ponies these days kicking about. Um, in, in, in the 1970s, when uh, the Edesque Pony Society was first founded, they had thought that the last uh, pure stallion had, had died. Um, and it was only they managed to find a, a pure stallion on one of the neighboring islands, uh, the Isle of Bara, and, and, and bring that in. That they um, that they were able to then start breeding with pure with pure sta- a purebred stallion and kind of bring the bring the breed back a little bit. Was the crossbreeding then um, essentially for the purpose of creating 
a bigger, stronger horse that could do more crofting work, more drafting, more hauling, that sort of thing? Was that the primary reason behind uh, the crossbreeding that, that nearly uh, eliminated uh, the Aeroscape pony? Yes. Yeah, essentially it was. I mean, some, some of it happened by accident, but um, it, mo- most of it was, I mean, back back 50, 100 years ago, people weren't, people didn't really understand how important it was to kind of maintain certain breeds. Um, and yeah, they, I mean, essentially you're just kind of, you were just trying to instill the, the, the horse that you were trying to breed with, uh, with kind of as many good features as possible. And one of those would have been, so, I mean, if the, if there was a local, for example, Clydesdale that people were using for heavy draft work, it might be brought in and not, not, um, to, to, to breed with the local horses. And that's what, um, in newest, um, that's actually what, uh, did away with a lot of the purebred escape ponies. Um, there was a specific horse that everybody thought was a, um, um, had been castrated, but it was a rig, and so it still it, it still was able to reproduce. And um, <laughs> and it, essentially, that that one horse didn't make it to Ediske because Ediske was a bit more isolated, and the horse was only used in U.S. And so that's why the breed in Ediske, uh, I guess, survived without crossbreeding was because these other horses weren't brought into that island, um, whereas they were used in in other parts of the Outer Hebrides. There's been some question about whether or not the Aeroscape pony is actually a breed. There, there are people who have considered it to be really a Highland pony. And my research again suggests, and, and as you're researching the ponies, you would know better than I, that it was in fact the Aeroscape ponies and crossbreeding that really developed the Highland pony, not the other way around. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the, the Highland pony as a breed only really came around, came about, uh, in the 19th century. Um, and it, and it was due to local horses, local ponies being bred, being crossbred with, um, with larger breeds. And that's what actually produced the Highland pony. Um, the Ediske pony is a relatively recent breed in the sense of being an official breed. So, um, the Ediske pony was only defined in the seventies with the foundation of the Ediske pony society, um, and so that's maybe what confuses people, but this breed in the sense that, um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's an older breed. It's an older Scottish breed, which is more similar to the, to the kind of older wild British horses. And that as a breed has, has been around as long as there's been a Scotland. Um, whereas the Highland pony is very much a, a crossbreed of, um, an Aediscape pony or what, what we could term kind of a, a Scottish native pony with uh, other larger types. So why then has the Aeroscape pony been so underappreciated then until recent times? Um, well, well, I mean, I, I think that back in the day anyway, it was, I guess, the, the Aeroscape pony was just kind of your your usual horse around the croft um, in, in the highlands and islands and and because of that commonality, that normalcy, I guess, to do, to do with the uh, with the horse type, um, it was just it, it would have been underappreciated in the sense that that was just the, the type of horse. And um, we have accounts of kind of um, some people dismissing it as a smaller, less useful uh, breed of horse in comparison to other larger types. Um, and so that I think that that contributed to it. Um, in the in the modern day, it's 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 only it's only been in the past few decades, I guess, that the Aeroscape pony has uh, become recognised. And even then, it's 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 still a struggle. Um, 
I think that uh, some sometimes societies that work in the Outer Hebrides do not get the recognition, and it, and it is hard to, to I guess, um, publicize the, the the work that that we do, um, and I, and it has been, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, why the Ereskaponi, I guess, has kind of gone under the radar for so long. What eventually shown the light on the Arescape pony. What was the turning point when someone suddenly said, oh, wait, this pony is important? Well, I guess it was the, uh, it was back in the 70s, a group of local islanders got together and um, were seeing that these types of horses were very much petering out. And I mean, when, when they did that, there there were very few ponies indeed the numbers were very low, and as I had said, when um, once they had founded the society, they didn't even have a, a purebred stallion um, for the first year. So, I mean, that that shows you how serious the situation got. But essentially, it was um, it was local islanders. Um, there were there were a few others. Um, there were some scholars involved. Um, we have a very well known, for example, a Gaelic scholar. Um, who passed away a few years ago, uh, Dr. John McInnes, who's, who's very well known in, in Gaelic circles. Um, he was involved. There were members of the political party that's currently currently in power right now in Scotland, the Scottish National Party. There were members, there were members who were high up in that um, party who were involved in the society in the early days. And there was a local island priest who was who was helping to orchestrate everything. And so it was really interesting because I, I think personally, it was the rise of the Ereskay Pony Society during the 70s came during a larger cultural recognition, I guess, within Scotland. So people were starting to look a bit more closely at what is Scotland, what makes Scotland unique, what are the unique attributes and species, um, breeds that we have in Scotland that separate us. And it was, I think it was uh, tied up in, into this kind of uh, growth and cultural awareness where you had people who were Gaelic scholars who were recognized across Scotland. You had um, members of political parties getting involved. And essentially they were, they, they all kind of um, were anchored in, in, in the island of, of, of Eriske and contributing locally. And then you had that um, tied in with, with local crofters in the island, um, in the island of Eriske, in 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 Uist as well, who who actually kept the horses. Um, so I mean, I, I think that it was kind of it was out of that culture that they de- or out of that uh, context that they decided to found the Eriske Pony Society. And the Eriske Pony, obviously found on the on the Isle of Eriske, there is, I understand, a a small community of Eriske ponies that are living essentially wild on the Holy Isle. They were introduced there some years ago as part of a a land management program. Where else in the world would one find an Eriske pony? Are they essentially limited to the Outer Hebrides Islands? They are not. No, um, there are Eriske ponies across the British Isles. You'll see them there. I mean, again, they are quite rare. So you will see them in uh, across Scotland as well. Um, but certainly the best place to see them, and certainly in their in their native heath, is in Eriske. So we have Komenyach uh, and the, the society owns um, a herd of po- several herds of, of ponies, and they um, they reside in Eriske um, during the winter. They 
are kept within the township. And so literally there is a herd of ponies that roams from house to house kind of and clogs up the streets and wanders around. <laughs> um, and so during the winter time, you can come to Eriske and see the ponies wandering um, through the townships. And then in the summertime, they get put up onto the hill, up into the, uh, the summer grazings. And Eriske is not that big of an island. So um, uh, oftentimes we'll go and we'll, we'll walk up there in the summer Um to go and to go and look at them, and they'll come over and stuff. So I mean, cer- certainly the the best place to see an Eriske pony is in Eriske. Um, you see kind of how they how the breed um, uh, matches so well with its environment. I mean, they'll they'll, they'll be down on the beaches, uh, rolling around in the sand. Uh, they'll go down. They'll eat the seaweeds. That's kind of a characteristic. I, I'm not sure if you're you've heard of the South say sheep that. We'll eat seaweed yes. to get the iodine content. Yeah. The, the Eriske ponies do, do the exact same thing. Um, so they'll be down on the beaches eating the, the seaweed and stuff. And I, I mean, that's the kind of that's the place to see them, really. Um, although you can see them, there are a few um, kicking about in the Outer Hebrides. So, for example, I, I uh, have you seen the um, white ponies that are on Luskintyre and Harris? Um, there's, there's a lot of photos that are taken around yeah. of, of those ponies and. One of those is an escape pony um, from the society. Okay. Um, I've seen suggestion that people sometimes visit Eriske and go away with the impression that the Eriske ponies are wild. I'm reminded of the, the wild herds of uh, Mustangs that roamed the American West uh, in, in back in the day. But in fact, they're not wild ponies. My understanding, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure, is, is that most of them are in fact still owned by islanders and are cared for, even though, as you say, they, they free roam around the villages and then are put out to pasture in the uh, in the other months. Uh, that That's completely true. And yes, it, it is a, a common misconception that... Um, that uh, we try and inform people about um, all the ponies. I mean, we, we would get kind of anim, animal cruelty being called if uh, if there were wild ponies that were that were not being uh, kept. Um, all the ponies are kept. They 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 are all looked after by vets. They are all um, they all have to be microchipped. Um, blood work has to be done. Um, so DNA and whatnot. Um, they all have to have passports. They are fed. Uh, they, they're, they're looked after, they're maintained, um, so that they, they're not wild. Um, yes, it's, it's very much so that they, they, they're allowed to roam, um, but I guess, you know, cat cows are allowed to roam, um, as well in U.S. Um, they're not considered kind of a, a, a wild species. I mean, it's, it's less, they're less wild than, so for example, in, in Iceland, people will go and let out the Icelandic ponies and then, is it once a year, it might be twice a year that they go and have a massive gathering kind of thing of all the herds. And that's when, um, that's when they bring them together. I mean, these ponies in Eriske are less, certainly less wild than that and certainly come into contact with people a lot more frequently. I don't know much about the economy of Eriske, but are the ponies becoming have they been something of almost a tourist attraction, a reason for people to come and visit Eriske? I think I think very much so, and it is something that we're looking to develop in uh, going forward in the future. I think uh, I don't like to stereotype, and I, I think it is it tends to be unhelpful when we're talking about the, the islands. But I guess the three main things that people would think of 
if they think about Eriske, would be whiskey galore in the epic politician, that, that team ashore, and that's uh, where all the all the partying afterwards happened. Um, Bonnie Prince Charlie set foot there. Um, that was the first place in Scotland that he set foot in the during the uh, 1745 uh, rebellion. And then there's the Eriske pony. Uh, those are the three, I guess, symbols of, of Eriske that people that tend to stick in people's minds. And I I, I do think that um, that people have been coming uh, specifically to see the ponies. Um, it, it, it's also part of 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 a, of a more general experience, but it is something that that we're looking to develop going forward. We are coming up in Ireland, the 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 Eriske Pony Society. We don't have a centre as of yet, and uh, we're all run out of people's houses, people's homes, and, and we're all kind of um, doing it vo- uh, voluntarily. But we're hoping in the future that we'll have an office at the Skoevishke, uh, uh, the Eriske um has uh, is, is is currently being uh, redeveloped as a community center, and uh, we're hoping that there might be space in there for an office, um, either that or, or something else. But we're we're certainly looking to to develop, I guess, the um, information around the breed for the tourist. Um, so if a person comes to Eriske, where can they find out more about the breed and learn, for example, yeah, that they're not just wild, that they're that they're well kept. Well, thank you f- for a brilliant lead into my next question, and, and that is to note that it was 80 years ago this month, actually just a few days ago as we're recording this, that very well-known certainly part of Scottish history occurred, the events surrounding uh, the floundering of the SS politician off the uh, Isle of Eriskay and with its cargo of whiskey that became uh, wildly popular, of course, in the films and the novel The Whiskey Galore. Is it fair to assume there may have been an Eriske pony or two carrying creels of whiskey away from the beach? I think that that's probably one of the most likely. Uh, I mean, I, I, Eriske people will be able to tell you far better, but uh, I think if you're going to get a case of whiskey or two or three or four from uh, from a boat uh, into the township uh, back to your house, uh, you might you might be best uh, best placed with a uh, with a pony and a, and a set of creels. <laughs> I had never uh, connected the two until I uh, began to do some research for our chat with uh, Whiskey Galore and, and Eriske, and of course now the Eriske Pony, and came across a note suggesting that last night. I thought it was interesting. Let's talk a little bit now about the future of the pony. You're doing some research into the history of the pony. Tell me, first of all, a little bit about the research that you're doing and what it is you're trying to find out and document. The research that I'm going to be doing is essentially uh, an ethnography and looking at people's, the people's connection with the pony. Um, so we had, uh, and it'll be building on uh, previous research, we, we had a, uh, one of the old um, members of the society back, back, at, its, uh, back at its establishment uh, back in the 1970s. Uh, he was a vet on Tyree, and he, he did... Uh, one of the larger books, larger research books into the Eriske Pony called uh, Scotland's Native Horse, Its History, Breeding and Survival. And that really looked at kind of the, the, the roots of the breed, which went, which go all the way back in Scotland. And that, that's when, when you're talking about how it uh, appears on carved stones, um, that sort of thing. Um, what, we're looking at for this research is to look at the more, I guess, the social history and based off of people's memories. Um, so I'm currently doing a PhD on Gaelic folklore 
and uh, that's uh, heavily reliant on uh, oral recordings that were done of people um, in digital archives. And essentially what we want to do is we want to go go around and uh, record people's memories of the horses and, uh, I guess, intangible cultural knowledge and uh, environmental knowledge that uh, that goes along with these ponies. Um, currently, not much is 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 written or recorded about uh, about the breed and about uh, aspects of the breed. So how people understand how to how to keep ponies, um, for example, if they eat seaweed um, or why they why they roll in, in the in the sand. So like islanders will know this stuff, but it's not really documented. It's not really uh, published out there in the public domain. And so that's that's essentially what the what the research would be doing would be um, trying to draw all this stuff together, all this material from from people who have grown up and lived with these ponies, and uh, and basically put it into into a publication that will then have have for for the future. What is the society doing? What kinds of activities, planning, etc., is underway to to essentially conserve and restore the the breed of the Aeroscape pony? Well, I mean, in the in the first instance, uh, the the easiest thing to to do to uh, to to help uh, to help grow the pony, I guess, in the in the numbers is, is simply to to breed. And so, um, I'm sure as you've seen you've seen yourself of the videos and the photos. So we had three new foals this year, and uh, they were the first foals in in a few years. And so we're we're very happy with that um, that we have new new foals on the island and we're going to con- continue doing that um we have a new we have a new breeding program um up so there is a danger when working with such small numbers in terms of bloodlines that um that the bloodlines can get mixed up and so we've uh, we've been adhering to kind of a quite a strict uh breeding program but um on top of just the the straight breeding of of the ponies uh we really want to uh develop i guess what the society does and how the society promotes the breed, uh, not only locally, but also out with the island. We very much want to, uh, I was speaking at the beginning, for example, about uh, about the old horse races that we did. I mean, that would be something that would be a wonderful community event if we could get that up and going and past uh, health and safety. So these kind of community events to, to raise local awareness of the pony um, and to foster support of the pony. Um, we also want to um, start, I guess, uh, developing the, the, the pony brand, I guess, um, with tourists so that they they more so come specifically to Eriskay to see the ponies. And then um, we can increase the ways in which they interact with the ponies. So, for example, if it's the summertime and you come to Eriskay and you don't know that they're up in the summer grazings or really you don't know where the summer grazings are, um, that you can then go and speak to somebody. Um, they can go and take you up in and to, to, to see the ponies and, and that sort of thing. So, so there, there are um, various different strands that we're, that we're trying to develop. How can people outside of Scotland help? What can they do to, to help save the Eriskay pony from extinction? If they listen to this podcast and they and they want to find out more, very much we would uh, we would encourage them to go to our website, which is adescapepony.scot, and on there you'll get uh, you'll get more information. Um, we're still working on on aspects of the website. Um, 
we, we, we do take donations, um, but we're currently fighting with PayPal to get those sorted, and we need to um, get that sorted as soon as possible. Um, but uh, even even interacting and sharing things on, on, on our social media and giving us a follow, the um, Escape Pony Society, Komenyachne Nielan, um, so we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and and even engaging with that sort of thing and sharing them um, helps to raise the profile. Because, as I was saying previously, it, it can sometimes be very hard within the Outer Hebrides of Scotland to get your message out and to um, and to properly raise awareness of this breed that is very much um, in danger, but. Um, but 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 needs people's support. So yeah, we we, we would very much welcome um, if anybody has any questions to get in touch with the society. Uh, send us an email or get in touch with us on on social media. So, why is it important to save this breed? What would be lost? What would Scotland lose if the Eriskay pony were sadly to slip into extinction, were to disappear? The Eriskay pony, if if we look at it in the sense that it's it's the last remnant of Scotland's native horse, uh, I think that alone shows its importance and its uniqueness to Scotland. And um, when we're talking about conserving and saving native breeds, um, I think that in 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 its own right is is important. Um, if people are looking for a more uh, prosaic reason to, to, to save them, uh, utilitarian reason. Well, I guess, I guess they, they're, they're a fantastic pet. Um, they, they, they really like people. And I think that as, as a breed, they're, um, they, they, they have quite a lot to, to, to give kind of humanity in that sense and their, and their relationship that they have with humans. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess there's, there's, a, there's a whole, a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, but any everyone has has their own one, but I guess uh, I guess if you if you like horses, um, then then the Eriskay pony is a is a fantastic breed to to go and interact with. My thanks to my guest Liam Alistair Krauss of Kuman Erkninjaline, the Eriskay Pony Society, for sharing with us the status of this endangered breed and efforts to save it. For more information and a look at how you can help visit the Society's website and social media channels. You'll find the links and a few photos of the Escape ponies in our show notes at www.underthetartansky.scot. Next time, we'll explore how a Scottish travel planner offering bespoke experiences has survived the pandemic by turning their attention to online offerings. Remember, if you enjoy this podcast, you can support it by buying me a coffee or a cup of tea on our coffee site. That's ko-fi.com forward slash tartan sky. Reviews, too, are always welcome on whatever listening app and platform you prefer. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalev, I guess Alpha Cabra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore tartansky. That's the underscore symbol, tartansky. 
and thank you for listening. 